Talk 1600 AM, 92.7 FM. This is the Snark Factor. Good morning. My name is Fingers Pierre Delecto Malloy. Thank you so much for spending part of your Sunday morning with us here on Southeast Michigan's home for conservative talk. Rejoining us this week after taking a week off. And by the way, thank you, Terry Kristoff, for filling in. For the very lovely Sarah Smith, who is here this morning, womaning the news desk. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Pierre. Who's Pierre Delecto, you ask? <laughs> He's a distant cousin of Carla's danger. <laughs> so, this story did not get enough attention this week. And we have a lot to talk about, Sarah. But I, I, I feel like we need to begin with uh, Senator Delecto. Now that's taking it to a whole new level. (laughs) So uh, Mitt Romney turns out this week, and I'm I'm at uh, marketwatch.com, Sarah. Mm -hmm. That's where I go for all of my market news. Absolutely. You know, fresh peaches, (laughs) how to pick a fresh avocado. I go to Market Watch. To find all this information out. Uh, The Utah senator and former presidential candidate has revealed that he's tweeting under a shadow account to anonymously defend himself and monitor the political conversation. And he's been doing it since 2011. And he picked the name Pierre Delecto. What bothers me about Pierre Delecto is... In my head, I'm seeing Mitt Romney, like, trying to, like, name his alter ego, right? <laughs> like, Pierre Delecto is the guy that Mitt Romney, like, in his wildest fantasies, that's what he'd be called. Why don't these guys ever just pick, like, Dan Smith? Right? I don't understand it. I do not understand the... I mean, I... Interestingly enough, my fake Twitter account, like my secondary Twitter account is my actual real name. But that's only because my original Twitter account is Mama Swati and mm-hmm. I only opened that so that I could low key spy on kids that I was hiring to cater weight before they made rules <laughs> about using social media. Like that's how old my Twitter got. And I just, you know, all my friends called me mama and I threw the thing and I just like I just I didn't think I was ever going to use it. Now, 91,000 tweets later mm-hmm. and a decade after, I'm like, oh, I can't change it because what would my fans and admirers do? Yeah. Well, what, what I find hilarious about this is normally if you were going to do something like this, mm-hmm. you're right. It would be like your alter ego and it would be right. it would, you'd be channeling something from inside of you that's <laughs> always been there. But yeah, you were lurking f- right on the surface. Right. And what does he do? He picks a name that's even more of an elitist name. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and more of an elitist than Mitt Romney. Yes. Pierre Delecto. Pierre. Delecto is the name. Pierre Delecto. <laughs> I'm an international man of mystery. I'm a dangerous person who enjoys vanilla wafers and ribbon candy. <laughs> Pierre I don't, Delecto. I, I don't drive vintage sport cars, but I look at them. <laughs> I mean, my God. I, this is what bothers me about 
the old guard Republican Party, Sarah. Yes. And and yes. By, and by no means li- listen. Um the Mitt Romneys of the world, the never Trumpers of the world and leftists make me sound like I should run out and get a Trump tramp stamp. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I I'm but not they, but they forced but they forced that position. Like that's a perspe- that's a forced perspective position. Right. I I see stuff like this. And I think to myself, if I were a Republican in Utah, mm-hmm. I would be ticked at not ticked at Pierre Delecto. No. Not not ticked necessarily at Mitt Romney, because these people can't let it go. You know, they they can't help themselves. They have to be in the spotlight. They have to, uh, once they attain some sort of power, you know, whether it's the being the governor of Massachusetts or a major candidate for for president of the United States, your party's nominee, you cannot give up that attention. You can't get up, give give up that quest for power. Right. So I can almost I it's it's intoxicating even for Mitt Romney. So I understand to a certain extent why he had this quest for power. But you're telling me there was no one in Utah who was living in Utah, part of the Utah Republican Party, who couldn't have been the senator from Utah? That the, the the seat that was open, they couldn't have found someone who had been in Utah politics for decades to run for that seat. And instead, they got it carpetbag Mitt Romney back over to Utah because, boy, oh, boy, we sure need Senator Pierre Delecto in the United States Senate. Right. Because the people, the, the people who you're talking, like someone who you're looking for, like – that you would think Utah would produce as far as, you know, their sen- senator, mm-hmm. and especially in these times, those people are living on their several hundred acre ranches, unplugged, checked out, hoarding their food, getting all of their supplies ready, keeping their bunker clean, and minding their own business. They're not, they don't, they have gotten so far off grid one of them running for office is out of the question. Yeah. That's how far when people talk about the current divisive nature of politics, I don't think how about how far the left and the right have separated. I think about how far the people who are engaged and the people who are not have separated. Cause it used to be people who were not engaged just generally weren't engaged, but they went out and voted every four years. These people for decades now have just completely checked out. But these are also the people that are coming out to vote for Donald Trump. Right. They're the people who have turned off corporate media, as you like to call it. Corporate Correct. media. Correct. Completely. They have they have pulled the corporate media plug from the back of their head. I just made a matrix reference uh, for oh, for those of you out there that might not be seen the up. matrix. <laughs> oh man! See, I was going to say those of you who haven't been aren't up with modern pop culture since <laughs> Matrix is now like a twenty five year old movie, but you haven't even seen it. Nah, you just said Porky's too. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. 
but you know, it's it's an amazing phenomenon that you, you know we. If you want to bring that up, you have so many people cutting the cord, not just from corporate media, right? But cable in general, right? And movies, so, music, they don't do, they don't engage in anything that is happening in the culture. Yeah, I, well, it, part of it too is, uh, I for I'll use me as an example. Sure, I don't watch cable news, mm-hmm. none of it, because I have been uh, I'm fatigued by the the constant. Yelling back and forth between talking heads. There's so little news right. on cable news. It used to be that you would have the shows, the primetime shows at night. And that's where you would have the, oh, here's the angry conservative and the angry liberal mm-hmm. trying to shout each other down. And, okay, that's when you knew uh, it's 8 o'clock at night, the, the primetime shows are on. Now I can turn uh, cable news off. Right. But now it's got that has bled into all of cable news in the morning. You could turn on MSNBC on a Saturday morning and have Morning Joy. What's the name of that? AM Joy. Uh, World uh, Joyful. AM AM Joy. Saturday morning, you'll have talking heads. Well, but they won't really be arguing because they'll all agree. They'll try. Right, exactly. Well, they'll have the they'll have the one, and I'm making air quotes with my fingers, conservative on the panel um, that it represents the entirety of the right. Um, and if if that, that person is on a panel, it is probably the craziest person you have ever known, and they make sure to make them out to be as crazy as possible. Right. Or That's if what all those right wing nut jobs are like. Or the other thing is they'll bring on a person who was part of the Republican Party or still considers themselves a Republican, but they trash Donald Trump. Right. So, you know, to make the MSNBC audience feel better, but oh, look, even Republicans can't stand right. the guy. We're, we're exactly. so right on this, even mm. though polling shows that 90 over 90 percent of Republicans tend to like Donald Trump for some reason. Uh, right. Right, but uh, well, love it, man. You know, I love the show. I do love. We're the both show. in the love the show camp. Exactly. I, listen, I'm disgusted by a lot of what I see coming from the White House. Sure. Same. You know. Right. But I'm used to that at this point. Like I. Yes. I really feel like the reason that people are so affected by this is because of the eight years of media blackout of of of. Uh, misbehavior and typical DC stuff that was happening out of the white house from 2008 to 2016. They didn't talk about it. It was a scandal free administration. The only thing that they had on him was the color of his suit, you know, like all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, corruption and secrecy and closed door dealings and all this. And everyone's like, Oh my God, this is so bad. And we're sitting back going like it, I don't know. I don't really feel like much has changed. Right. <laughs> like, I don't, you know. New boss, same as the old boss. Out. Right. It's, it, no, it's, it's truly amazing how, and we've really veered off the reservation, but who cares? Uh, Pierre wouldn't have it any other way. Right, exactly. Uh, I'm really looking forward to when Donald Trump leaves office and the media 
Now we've set the bar so low for what is considered uh, the dirtiest lie in the history of lies, and everybody's oh. lying in the Trump administration. You know, I'm I'm old enough to remember where you know 85 percent of what comes out of the White House today would have been considered spin in a previous administration. Right. But oh, the messaging. Yes. But uh, now spin is considered a dirty, filthy lie. A high crime. You can't. The <laughs> office of the presidency can't has to tell the complete truth all the time. It's a high crime. Yeah. So it's going to be really fun when President Oprah's in office, and <laughs> President and- Oprah's press secretary is up there spinning. I'm really no I'm really going to be looking forward to Jim Acosta calling out every single lie. I'm sure it will happen, right, mm-hmm. Sarah? Absolutely. Well, I hope that she picks. I've all, my little my my secret one in life is to see Bill Murray as press secretary. <laughs> and so I feel like the president that comes after Trump is going to be the one that's most likely going to be able to pull that off for me. So I think I mean unless we keep going down Maybe it won't be until we, uh, it's uh, President Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Maybe he'll have Bill Murray right? as his press secretary. Um, but either way, we we're, they're set, they've set a precedent for that. Like this is the new normal now, and we will continue. I I expect for us to continue to hold the standard that has been set forth for us. And yeah, when Oprah's press secretary is talking to us about what has really happened. In the Middle East. <laughs> oh, God. I'm like, what is this timeline? Um, then yet I expect them I expect them to be called a dirty, filthy liar. And yes. be, you know, attacked. Uh, the, the Chiron at the bottom of the screen saying without evidence. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, I really and truly feel bad for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I know. I mean, they made her out to be the most evil woman in the history right. of women. Right. And she, uh, to me, she didn't lie any more than the last <laughs> administration's exactly. press secretary. It's like, hello, Tim Carney, Jim Carney, Tim Carney. What was his name? What was Carney's name? He was my favorite. Uh, Jim, was it Jim? Tim. Jim, Tim, 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 Tim Carney. Tim, Tim. Oh, yeah. Who was the last one? Oh, I can't remember. It got, it's so weird. Go back to, I mean, go, you could go back to, to uh, George Stephanopoulos. They all oh, lie God. through their teeth. Yeah. That's their job. You can watch Veep. You can watch TV shows about and, and the West Wing. You watch anything from the West Wing to Veep. And you know that that's what, this is what they do. But it was called Spin back then. Well, uh, uh, Josh Ernest was Ernest. That, uh, that's still to this day. This is how Jay Carney. Jay Carney it just came right. Thank you. Um, to to this day, I always say that they put Josh Ernest in press secretary's uh, position because of his last name, because it's like a it's like an overcompensation. <laughs> it's like no, 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 my last name is Ernest. Like, yeah. what do you think I'm lying to you? The the press secretary couldn't possibly during the Obama years got up. And sold Obamacare to the American right. people. And right. You will not lose your doctor. You will not lose your plan. You will save $2,500 a year. The CBO has given this a financially solvent score. Like, CBO loves it. 
And everybody I, loves it. I've got to compare those lies to mm-hmm. Trump saying that his inaugural was the best attended <laughs> in the history of history. Now, granted, uh, it's a ridiculous lie. Right. But, like, it doesn't affect me at all. No. It's a businessman telling me that his burger is the best burger. Right. Like, I'm not mad at Burger King when they make a commercial <laughs> about how they're better than McDonald's. Like, it doesn't, you know, like, yeah. okay. Cool I mean, story, bro. I, I should be offended that he calls himself the Burger King to begin with. <laughs> I've had their burgers. And while I enjoy them... And I know sure. what I'm getting in the transaction. I don't eat a Whopper and think this was made by royalty. This is this this per, this burger should be purple. It's yes. so royal. This 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 burger. I, I'm not worthy, right, of eating this. Uh, the I Duchess of though. the Duchess of York should be eating this burger. It's so good. <laughs> I've never thought uh, that. No. So no. and it doesn't bother me when Trump says that his inaugural like it just doesn't like I don't care. I don't care even if it whether it's true or not. I don't care, dude. I don't care about your inauguration party. No. I don't I don't I didn't care about Obama's either. I don't care. Almost leave me alone. Go sit in your office and leave me alone. Yes. Almost any lie that he has told throughout his administration has not compared to the two-and-a-half-year lie that we were told about Russian collusion. Correct. So I I really don't want to hear about how big of a liar he is, and he's a lying liar who lies, and he should have a sweatshirt that says liar on it. Right. channeling my inner Keith Oberman there. That's a good one. Thanks. Uh, All politicians lie. They sure do. And I'm disgusted by... The fact that all politicians lie. Mm-hmm. But we have really set a low bar for lies with this guy. We sure have. So, mm. and but thank God we have Pierre Delecto to call out President Trump when he lies. And I, I'm, saying, right. I'm saying all this knowing that people are going to listen to this, whether you're a never Trumper or a, a lefty, and say, oh, God almighty. These people are in the tank for Donald Trump. Again, I I could sit here and list for an hour the things that bother me about Donald Trump. Right. But you know And much and much to my surprise, I could list things that I like about him too. Yes. And believe me, I'm just as surprised by that as ever you know, like but there were things during the Obama administration I was like, Oh, that's kinda cool. Yeah. Like I used to like when he did those science fair things. I thought it was cute. Like I don't like they're not the devil incarnate, you know, like I don't understand what the need for people to be like, you love him or you hate him is like, I don't know, man, there's tons of things about him that I like and things about him that I don't like. And I don't understand why everything has to be such a this or that. Oh, it's this side. You're either with him or you're against him. Yeah. Now in 2020, I will vote for Donald Trump. Oh yeah. I will enthusiastically vote for Donald Trump and it's not necessarily because of Donald Trump. It's because of the crazy show I'm seeing on the left right now. A hundred percent agree. So I guess, 100%. again, I'm, I'm, I, I'm saying I'm voting for Donald Trump. I'm really voting against Democrats. Exactly. And the, the, my corporate media. 
Yes. Like these people have ruined the fourth estate is ble- is a trailer park in the gutter. Like the fourth of the fourth estate, if it were a if it were in L.A., it would it would have a flesh rotting bacteria and living in a tent city on the streets of Los Angeles. The fourth estate has turned into a trailer park. It has. It really has with burning dumpster fires everywhere. <laughs> I, so I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I mean, they didn't even cover the Pierre Delecto story. Of course not. Because they know how it makes Mitt Romney look. Listen, Mitt Romney need in 2012, Mitt Romney was uh, a sexist. He was a bigot. He was a homophobe. Uh, he was going to murder Big Bird. Right. And, and he, he had, kept women in binders. He kept women in binders. But now that he is Senator Pierre Delecto from mm-hmm. the great state of Utah, and he yes. criticizes Donald Trump, now he's a hero on the left. Correct. Oh, we were so Convenient. wrong for calling him these. in journalism. Awful names. We were so wrong. Uh, we were so wrong about you, Pierre. Come on our show. <laughs> and if you are an attention whore who loves being in front of... Listen, I will never compare uh, Senator Delecto to Senator Chuck Schumer as far as wanting to get in front of a camera. I mean, nobody trumps right. Senator Chuck Schumer. But... No. Mitt loves the attention. Oh yeah, so. of course. Well, because he spent so many years being the bad, the, the villain of the story, that he's like, oh, they love me now. <laughs> it's so. I mean, there's, if, if people would stop looking at politicians as like somehow intellect, like intellectually evolved, you know. It, they are petulant children. They are people who have based their entire – there was once a time when politicians were people that did something in their lives and then, you know, later on ran for office in their local community. Like, uh, you know, they retired early and so they ran for city councilman and so they were so loved as city councilman they became a congressman and they were so loved as a con- – you know, like there was this sort of natural progression to it. Now these kids are – they they're bullied in high school and they decide they're going to be politicians one day so that they can show them and they end up there then they just have never they've never grown past adolescence and they're just a bunch of man children walking around trying to get people to like them and the next thing you know you're a congressman and you're seen naked uh brushing uh the hair of one of your staffers mm, mm, mm. um excuse me just heard be, do just her doing that I, I was. I have already been told by the Me Too movement that that is sexual assault. We're talking about Katie Hill. The Katie Hill, Congress, 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 Congressperson Katie Hill, Democrat of California, who has been dating one of her staffers in a thruple situation. Uh, Google Katie Hill and Google thruple. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into it. Mm-mm. But, uh, yeah, that's where you end up. So uh, we have to take a break. Okay. But before we do, uh, again, uh, call me Delecto. Fingers Delecto. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Fingers Malloy. Follow 
Sarah on Twitter at Mama Swati. Find everything Fingers Malloy related at my website, fingersmalloy.com. This is the Snark Factor coming up after the break. Non Pierre Delecto talk. Yeah. She's Sarah. I'm Fingers. We'll be back with more of the Snark Factor on Wham Talk, 1600 AM, 92.7 FM, right after this. Hi, this is Chuck Woolery. You're listening to the Snark Factor, and we'll be back in two and two. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Snark Factor with Fingers Malloy, the future. Wham Talk, 1600 AM, 92.7 FM. This is The Snark Factor. My name is Fingers Malloy. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Sarah Smith is womaning the news desk. Sarah, we have a Halloween story that's political uh, that we want to get to here. But before we do, I have to tell you a quick story. Sure. So I have a 10-year-old daughter. Okay. And she needed a Halloween costume. Mm -hmm. And as you know, Halloween is my favorite time of year because you ladies like to run out and buy costumes that make you look like tramps. I'm last minute trick or treating. Uh, so I help me remember I had I had to actually do a costume this year. I haven't had to do a costume. And it's very funny. But you do you tell your story first. OK, <laughs> so uh, there's a place by my house. It's one of these party stores. And I'm not talking about a store where you go buy liquor. Uh, right. No, like a, a party supply store. Yeah. Um, and they also sell costumes. Well, it was going out of business. And so everything was 90 percent off. Right, nice. Yeah, take my daughter and go in there. And there's only about, uh, the store's only about 25% filled with costumes and party favors and whatever. So, and that's, you know, when things like this happen, they consolidate all the stuff. Right. So there was Halloween costumes in one area. So there are little kids' costumes right next to, um, Hey, I want to look like a hooker costumes. Oh. <laughs> They're like right Lord. next to each other. Like, oh, here you can be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Oh, and right next to it you could be a slutty nurse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at this. Oh, a ladybug or a slutty devil woman. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm trying to maneuver through. <laughs> This oh. trying to steer the ten year old in the yeah. right direction. No, no, sweetheart, you 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 you, you want to be SpongeBob? You don't no to pick up that, put down that filthy hooker costume. Right. No, that's not the kind of wizard you think it is. It's not not what you want to dress up as. Yeah. So that that's my uh, Halloween costume. So I did find her something and at a reasonable price, three dollars. She's oh, gonna excellent. be she's gonna be a vampire, and she oh. didn't she didn't buy a, a slutty vampire outfit. Right. It, oh, that's great! Just like a, a an actual vampire. Yeah, costume. yeah, exactly. Like the cape and the teeth and the right. right. Yeah. So what's what's your Halloween story? I'm dressing up as Dashi from the Octonauts. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> Did I just exactly because when um, my maid of honor, who I'm going trick or treating with her and her daughter. Um, told me that I said I thought she was speaking Greek to me is the exact reaction that I had. And octonauts is a 
television show for little children. Her daughter's like four years old. Um, so it's a little, it's a cartoon or whatever. And it's these like all different animals that somehow live under the sea. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But one of the characters name is Dashi and it's just a pink skirt and a brown top. But like, so are you, sl- are you slutty Dashi? Is that what I'm, this- not, I'm not slutty Dashi. I'm just regular <laughs> Dashi. It's a surprise for the kid. Like she and her husband and the kid are dressing up as characters from the show and she doesn't even know I'm coming and I'm showing up because I've got this other thing to do in the afternoon. I was like, I'm coming up. She's like, oh, that's the night we're doing, you ready? Trunk or treating, which Ugh. we could talk about as such a thing. Um, we're going to do that. You should come with us. If you show up dressed as Dashi, she will freak out. And so that's what we're doing. Like, I'm actually showing up to be like the last octonaut of the team. <laughs> and so, and I told her, I was like, you know, people are going to think we're a thruple. Oh, now, see, everybody now knows what a thruple is because yes. during the culture break, they ask Jeeves. See, guys, we bring it all, bring it all together here. You're welcome. And now they're looking up Octonauts. It's spelled with an O. It's but, a really cute show. I watched an episode with her a few weeks ago. But so. don't, don't. Don't ask Jeeves octonauts and thruple in the same sentence no, as a search. No. no. Your hard drive will get searched by the NSA if <laughs> So and that's that's beautiful and I, I, I won't go on a three minute rant about how much I hate trunk or treating. I know, I'm I'm so confused by the concepts, but no, I'm with you. Oh, I, oh now we gotta do this. So trunk or treating is you pick a place whether it's a school parking lot or you name it, where people drive their cars, open up their trunks, and then kids just go from car to car. It's tailgating. Yes. Which, by the way, I thought for decades we did everything we could to train our children not to walk up to strangers' cars with <laughs> offers of candy. But and here we are. Here we are encouraging this behavior. But how lazy have we gotten? You we know, can't go for a walk around a couple blocks in the neighborhood with the kids. We no. got to drive them to a parking lot and set them loose. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's get all this. We can wrap all this up in fifteen minutes. I got to get back to ask Jeevesing Thruple. <laughs> I have very important things to do. <laughs> Who has time for this trick-or-treating madness? <laughs> so, no, I'm very much against the trunk-or-treating. This will be my first time. I'm going to make my decision about it once I do it. It could uh-huh. be I'm going to do it and be like, oh, this is genius. So I'm not going to make a commentary until I've done it. Well. I'll, well stay tuned next week, gang. Because <laughs> we'll still be in Halloween mode next week. Yeah, it's true. And we could hear about all the, the, the slutty... Uh, It'll, it'll, Halloween it'll costumes. Be, there you go. It'll be post Halloween, but we will still definitely be in the we'll be in the mood. And by the way, it, it cracks me up because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about sexy Halloween costumes. Because as mm-hmm. I said, this is my favorite time of year because um, y'all dress like tramps. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, in my Facebook memories today, sexy Ken Bone came up. <laughs> yeah. My Facebook memories. Yes, I am really hoping to see a sexy Fred Rogers. I feel like it's going to happen. <laughs> but I definitely plan on taking pumpkins and spray and taking them with me. Spray painting them. See who black. I can trigger. So because apparently that's a thing. Yeah. So we need to get to this story. 
and yes. uh, I believe you have it in front of you. This is the most 2019 story that 2019 could ever be filled with. This story is 2019, uh, a yeah. raging 2019 yeah. story. It's the most 2019 story of 2019. And uh, yeah, yes. yes, here this is where we are these days, kids. Um, retailer Bed Bath and Beyond, you may be familiar, has responded to concerns about blackface pumpkins. Halloween decorations by pulling the product. I'm going to say that one more time, everybody. <laughs> Blackface pumpkins. Halloween decorations. Objections to the black artificial pumpkins, which could be personalized with names and faces, first arose in Nyack, New York, where a law firm had decorated its front steps with them. After some reaction from the neighboring community, the Ferrick, Nugent, and McCarthy law firm removed the pumpkins, which were painted black with white eyes and mouth, from the porch outside of its office in South. So we, the the issue here is that it apparently. These pumpkins have – it's not a carved jack-o'-lantern that has been spray-painted black. It is a pumpkin that has been spray-painted black with a white teeth, not a white mouth, but the teeth that are white exposed and the eye eyes drawn on and then a little nose in white because that's the color that goes on black that you can see – so from all this, because that apparently looks like blackface due to the white mouthness, it has been pulled from shelves. Okay, I have to confess something. What? It sounds like blackface. Well, this is and this is the problem. This place made the pump Okay. This law firm made these pumpkins, right? Mm-hmm. Bed Bath and Beyond sells pumpkins that are orange like if anyone wants to go to the internet and look you can see a picture of the bed bath and beyond ones it's black and orange it's an actual carved jack-o'-lantern and the outside of it has been sprayed black so it's like a black and orange pumpkin that's different this controversy of these blackface pumpkins at this one particular law firm in Nyack, new york Bed Bath and Beyond as an industry has pulled their different design and different everything of black pumpkins so that they don't get dragged by the cancel culture outrage mob that is going to come of this blackface pumpkin. Like they're two different things. Like they're two different stories. Okay. We we need to unpack Not this. two different stories. I'm sorry, two different items. We need to unpack this. Yes. Because I feel like when it comes to this story, we are dealing with a village of idiots. First of all, how could a law firm paint a – can we call them jack-o'-lanterns? Nobody can, we calls call them, them. can we call them Jane-o'-lanterns, please? Like, <laughs> oh. that's – I feel like if we market Jane lanterns, and I would like to go on record as this is my idea, and if any of you steal it, I will sue you for copyright infringement. I'm going to market Jane lanterns for the feminist scolds 
and the men who want to date <laughs> feminist scolds because they will buy and be like this smash the patriarchy buy a jana lantern see i'm torn you see i i have spent much of my time in indiana mm-hmm. and i feel like they should be diana lanterns Ooh. Because then you could have That's a little a fun one. ditty about Jack and Diana lanterns. Two American I love pumpkins that. growing That's up. Bro, it, the jingle writes itself. <laughs> I'm so excited about this idea. <laughs> but I, how – why on earth? Why on earth – would a law firm who in that law firm never hire this law firm for anything? Oh, oh wait, I have to correct. Myself. Apparently, they did buy them at Bed Bath and Beyond. Well, so, so they bought. They did buy them Bed Bath and Beyond, but they bought them at Bed Bath and Beyond. But Bed Bath and Beyond also has different kinds of black pumpkins that don't have white teeth. But why on earth? Okay. I well, apologize. Now I'm very confused. I know. Now I'm more confused too. I thought I'd made sense of it. And then I just found a whole other article that clarified that they did buy them from Bed Bath & Beyond. Well, then now I can't blame – well, okay, listen. There's there, That looks like blackface. It looks like blackface. It does look like blackface. Except for the fact that a jack-o'-lantern face doesn't look like a face. Yes. Of a human being. But I can understand why someone is saying, okay, yes. you're trying to be a cheeky racist here. Right. I, right. Right. The green, but the orange and black ones don't look like that. The orange and black ones look really cool, I think. Yeah, I don't. That's that's insane that anyone who would look at a black painted pumpkin that has orange teeth mm-hmm. or black teeth would think to themselves, well, that clearly the person who put this on their their front porch is a bigot because that is blackface. Right, exactly. It's the white teeth that made it look like, because even from a distance it does, it looks like it's the whole like blackface white mouth thing. Yeah, because you're not, listen, when you're asking a lot of Chinese children who are making these pumpkins <laughs> to not to not get any of the white paint on the lips, Right. <laughs> And they don't know. The Chinese people don't know about blackface. I mean, they are they are racist as can ra- racist can be. The Chinese, as a as a as a group, stereotypes exist for a reason. People, um, but you know, not blackface kind of racist. Like that is very much an American kind of racism. Yeah. And do we need do we need to export our racism to no. China, Sarah? We sure don't. We sure don't. But I can see how the little Chinese pumpkin painters <laughs> making these pumpkins for Bed Bath and Beyond Inc. wouldn't think anything of it. Be like, oh, it's white teeth. Right. We should all have this nice of a smile. Right. Glimmering white shiny smile. Yes, and po- this poor Chinese kid thinking he's. Or she, or whatever preferred pronoun that this person identifies with, is is making people happy in the United States with their the smiling pumpkin. And turns out it's a symbol of uh, white nationalism and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Just something else for the social justice people to (laughs) come after. What a what a world we're living in. I love this timeline. I really do. So the same people who would be upset over a 
blackface jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm. are now going after math. Yes. In a big way. And the, here, here's the thing that I find really strange about the world we are living in, Sarah. And I, I, I hate to sound like one of these cats who uh, is in, uh, turning into, slowly and surely, into an elderly gentleman who will throw away your wiffle ball. Mm-hmm. Cut a frisbee. Yeah, if it ends up in my lawn. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, I have a 10-year-old right. who's in public school and is in one of the better public school districts in the state. They don't teach cursive writing anymore. Wait, not at all? No. Did I ever tell you that I learned how to write in cursive when I was five? No, I, I, I can't believe that never came up in conversation. <laughs> Well, I went to Montessori school at uh-huh. three, four, and five years old, and they taught us how to write in cursive because it's Montessori school. Mm-hmm. And then I went to public school for first grade when I was six years old and got in trouble for writing in cursive because I wasn't supposed to know how to do that yet. And then proceeded to get bad marks in handwriting up until third grade because my print was garbage because I wrote in cursive. I had been writing in cursive as long as I'd been writing. Why would I? And then I got to third grade and had to sit and die of boredom while we relearned cursive or why I relearned cursive. And I just I, I was like scarred in first grade. I remember my teacher used to yell at me like, you're not supposed to know how to do that yet. Write in print. So public school. And now they don't even teach it. Now public, I'm like really triggered about this. Public school being public school. Dumb down your handwriting. Yeah, they well, meet um, unsatisfactory grades in my hand on my report cards in first and second grade in handwriting. Because and, you, and you've been carrying this with you. Clearly, yes. there's been some baggage. For Twenty here. years, thirty years. Oh, how old am I for thirty years now? <laughs> like I say, twenty years. You know what's really funny? Just yesterday, my father found a note that I wrote him when I was a little kid, and I just posted it on Instagram yesterday. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and look, and it's my like seven year old print that. Is like garbage handwriting. <laughs> Look like it's, you wrote it with your feet. <laughs> right, it's garbage. And I was, and we were trying to figure out what year I had written the letter. And we figured it was about going to a concert. And so we figured it was like 1989, 1988. I was like, my handwriting should have been better than this. But I was, it was during the years when I was being forced by my public school teachers <laughs> to print, although I wanted to be cursiving. Uh, cursiving is that a word yeah it is now okay Okay, so the point being your daughter's school doesn't even teach cursive anymore they they made a decision that it's a waste of time i'm furious and it's a waste of time for these kids to learn how to uh write and apparently read in cursive oh my so uh, how are you going to sign your name what are you going to put Print your name and put an X next to it or something. Yes. It, it, it is absolutely amazing to me. And the thing is, I could respect it if they said, okay, we're not going to waste our time with teaching your kids cursive writing. And we have something much more important with the limited time we have with your kids to teach them. But it's not that. No. It's, we're going to indoctrinate them with liberal garbage. And we're exactly. taking valuable indoctrination time away. It's being wasted with cursive writing when they could learn about Harvey Milk. Right. 
Correct. Um, or they could learn about how math has been appropriated by Western culture to oppress and marginalize people of communities and communities of color. That's <laughs> what they're going to be learning right. instead of cursive about how math is oppressive. So that was all a quote that I just read there, by the way, that I'm not that good at liberal talking points. <laughs> so go ahead and fill people in on how math now is oppressed. We have a war on math in this. It's country. a war on math. Um, Seattle's largest, and we're here at the freebeacon.com on the internet. Uh, Seattle's largest public school district is considering a proposal that would infuse math courses with elements of social justice, including studying how math has been quote, appropriated by Western culture and is used to, quote, again, oppress and marginalize people and communities of color. The proposed framework presents four themes for teachers to include in their K-12 math courses. The themes include how mathematical theories are, quote, rooted in the ancient histories of people and empires of color and how contributions of communities of color to the field are ignored and how learning math can be an act of liberation. Let's, let's unpack this. Okay? <laughs> In three minutes. <laughs> so the, the, the theory being that math has been stolen by white people. We've pretended that no other color of human being has ever been engaged in mathematics. So ancient Egyptians, um, Roman numerals, the ancient the ancient uh, natives, the uh, African, the actual African communities, um, none of them had math. We invented it. <laughs> okay. So they're going to debunk that theory or they're going to debunk that uh, perspective because apparently that was a thing. You well, could have had me. Oh, of course it's a thing. You know, Sarah, I missed you at the last white person meeting. Oh, uh, but a bummer. When, when we got together – uh, do, you you weren't there. The first fifteen minutes of the meeting was all of us standing up, uh, saying, "Math is ours." Right, we invented math, and nobody can take it away from us. I'm really sad I missed that one. That's my fav my favorite part of the white people <laughs> meeting is when we like make sure everybody knows that we invented everything. That's right. Don't be. Hey, you're a person of color. No multiplication for you. Right. That's not for you. That's for us. For us, by us. <laughs> it is just unbelievable. Um, this is my favorite part of the article. I'm going to read it real quick. Students will ask introspective questions like, what is my mathematical identity? How does it feel to be a mathematician? And what fears do I have about math? So not even math is free from these people's feelings. Like not even the thing. And it is like stereotypical people who are really into like math. I like math because the answer is what the answer is. Mm -hmm. And it's like once you have it. This article continues on how important is it to be right? What is right? Says who? One of the framework's proposed questions reads like says who mathematicians like what are you <laughs> right. talking about this is we don't we cannot not even math and science can escape this social justice feelings based um my truth i was going to say there's thing. there's your truth and now there's your math yes 
Oh, God. And, and we used to make jokes, two plus two equals five to these people, but apparently now it does, if that's what you feel. When I am going to apply to refinance my mortgage, I'm going to walk so into exciting. their office and say, this is my math. Yes, yeah, so exciting. I'm so excited for all of us to now. I'm going to go take out a personal loan. <laughs> Using your math? Using my math. I mean, and let's and face like, it, they're going to be... This is what you're going to give me. This is what I'm going to give you back. And let's face it, the person in the room is going to be skeptical when you walk in to begin with because you're a girl. Right. And I don't know how to do math. <laughs> But I'm white, so like I'm invented math. That's, so that's true. Tough. That's it's tough. also confusing. You, just, you never know. Like you never know. Oh, but I'm Jewish, so like oh. I'm a different kind of white. Ooh. Ooh. This is tough. Am I even allowed to do math? <laughs> and with that, we have to go. Oh, it was a pleasure, everybody. <laughs> She's Sarah. I'm Fingers. We will be back next week. With an all-new Snark Factor on Wham Talk, 1600 AM, 92.7 FM. <laughs>